Hey, Renter Retires, it's Adam Schrader here for another episode. And Bigger Pockets allowed us to take over their Instagram recently. And Zach and I went on and did a live stream for all of their followers. Now, we decided just because you may not be following Bigger Pockets on Instagram, it's not fair to deprive you of the wonderful things we unveiled to them. So if you want to listen in, listen in right now. This is the first part of a three-part series. Welcome to the Rent to Retirement Podcast, your resource for passive real estate investing and retirement strategies. If you're new to real estate or planning your financial future, you're in the right place. Join us at renttoretirement.com to find your path to financial freedom and an easy, carefree retirement. Enjoy the show. Hey, BP community. Thanks for joining in. We're going to take a few minutes here just to make sure we got everything figured out. This is our first live event from Rent to Retirement, taking over the Bigger Pockets account. So thanks for tuning in here. Got a ton of people joining in. Uh, we're going to give you all the all the details you need to be a successful out-of-state investor. I have our podcast host, Adam Schroeder, who's going to join in here any second, and then we'll go ahead and get started. So again, thank you guys for joining in. Put in the comments where you guys are where you guys are uh, tuning in from. I see some a lot of Los Angeles, Orlando, Dallas. Uh, what we're going to be talking about today is how to be a successful investor across the country in any market. We know that some of our local markets, you know, while they may be attractive, they may not be attractive. The most successful investors invest across the country and are particular on where they choose to invest and like to be diversified across multiple markets. So, put in where you're uh, tuning in today, and it'd be interesting to see you know, where we have the most followers. Adam, what's up? How are you? Hey, Zach, doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. It's my first time on Instagram. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, this is our first live. Bear with us, everyone. Bear with us. Can we get the setup on my... Uh, <laughs> well, I'm in Austin. I know you were asking people where they were from, but uh, I'm just representing in uh, ATX. What can I say? <laughs> All right. Let's see... Uh, uh, some Oregon, San Diego. Oh, super, super large San Diego. Great place. Great place. BPCon 2022 down in uh, San Diego. Virginia Beach. <laughs> Go ATX. Well, a lot of people are coming here, so. Adam, what do you got cracking on with this Monday, this fine Monday, last Monday in March? Well, I've got, uh, I got a nice little email from my property manager in uh, Georgia over the weekend saying, hey, you know, we're going to renew your rent for this uh, tenant. We're going to increase it $80 a month. So I, I wasn't sad to wake up to that email today. Um, so, you know, it's a <laughs> not a bad day at all. I got a walk through uh, walk through report on one of my properties that looked really good. I was impressed. I a lot better than some of my other ones that have come back. So, and uh, you know, the weekend was good. You know, the weekend was good, which led into me checking my emails this morning to to good stuff going on. So that's uh, that's kind of what's going on there. I had a had a rent increase on another property that came through about a week ago. So. It's been, and as you know, I closed on some of my properties lately, so it's been a really good, <laughs> really good month for real estate wise for me, and that's the majority of what I've been doing around the house. So, 
we got a lot of lessons about how to be an out-of-state investor, what to do, what not to do, and <laughs> why should you invest out-of-state, right? Like, why, why should we in the first place? Yeah. Well, I mean, I can tell you right now, I mean, I don't, I'm seeing a lot of where people are from, and a lot of it is just, I mean, the, the startup cost. Man, like, if I were to go around in Austin and try to find a place, good grief. <laughs> you know, I mean, I need 200 grand just to buy a lot of, with something in it and that's not someplace i want to drop 200 grand i don't know about you yeah i'm and i'm in denver colorado and so we don't we don't do any residential investing uh we invest across the country and a lot of the markets we're going to talk about today but locally i mean we can just do better right we can do better investing out of state uh at least in the residential sector so um everyone let's go ahead and get started thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join in on Rental retirement taking over the bigger pocket Instagram. We've been just totally spamming you guys with a lot of good information about markets, just how to think about out of state investors. Rental retirement is a turnkey provider, one of the largest ones in the nation at this point. You know, we've sponsored many VP events in the past and we're we're very active in the, the bigger pockets community. So we're we feel, you know, we're super excited to be here and just continually talk about out of state investing. We are a turnkey company, but we're not going to specifically talk about turnkey today. Okay, we're happy to answer questions. If you have questions, put them in the chat box and, and we'll try to get through all of those. But specifically, we're going to talk about how to build a successful out-of-state portfolio because there is a lot to it from starting out of where do you even identify the right markets to how do you build a team and become a successful investor long-term. And we're going to share all of our resources with you that we've spent the last decade plus um, of context. So we write CPAs, attorneys, how do you vet property management companies, all these things that are important to, to, build, to build a successful out-of-state portfolio. We're going to share them with you guys. So we'd like to also mention that we're going to have a $500 raffle that we're going to give away live. All you have to do is put in a comment, put in a positive comment or ask a question in the thread below. And at the very end, after we get through everything, if you hang out with us for the full hour, then we'll be able to uh, you know, take a drawing, which if all, if all works out well, my 20-month-year-old uh, son will assist us with that. So we'll see. <laughs> oh, you know, 20-month-year-olds always, uh, always help in just the way you want. <laughs> He's going to barge in here anyways. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and get started. What we want to do for everyone today is walk you through a story of an investor that is looking to invest out of state. A lot of us in the Bigger Pockets community, we're either newer investors, we're investors that maybe have tried different things in real estate. We're doing a handful of different things. But it's really, you know, we're wanting to build a successful long-term portfolio for financial independence, right? This is really what this all boils down to is how do we create the lifestyle we want through real estate? And the beautiful thing about real estate is there's a thousand different ways you can do it, right? You can burr properties, you can rehab flip, you can use creative finance, but ultimately it all boils down to building a long-term successful portfolio, right? That's how you build generational wealth. So uh, what we're going to do today is walk through a story of a gentleman by the name of John Doe. John Doe is a 36-year-old with two kids under the age of five, and this is, you know, this is an actual story of one of our investors that we helped build a very large portfolio. We'll alter some of the details for his anonymity, but he has one- Don't, don't Google John Doe. Nothing good happened to him. <laughs> That's right. He, had a, he has one kid on the way, okay? He has a wife that is mainly a stay-at-home mom taking care of the kids, but she's also a part-time interior designer. He is, John Doe is out here in Denver, Colorado. He's a bank manager making 120000 a year at his job, enjoys his job, but also now he's interested in investing in real estate. He previously owned a rental that he has since sold because he turned into an accidental landlord and decided landlording was not for him. 
so we'll talk about you know important things you need to do to build a successful portfolio and hire the right professionals like property management. John Doe is looking locally in Denver, Colorado, where he cannot find a property that is going to, you know, cash flow for him. So he's starting to look out of state. And this is where our story begins of really looking to determine how do you build a successful portfolio investing across other areas. He has $50,000 to invest and he has about $100,000 of equity in a property that he currently owns, which is primary and about $80,000 in a 401k or um, an IRA. So he's recently stumbled upon bigger pockets and is learning how to invest out of state in the right markets. <clears throat> His goal is to acquire two properties every single year for the next 10 years, and he wants to acquire a passive income of $10,000 a month. So this is where our story begins. Adam, what is the first piece of advice that you would give to John? Well, John, he John you got <laughs> out of state. You, you got to just start looking at where the people are going. Um, I mean, that's the, the big thing is just see, you got to identify a market first. We can talk about ways to identify that. But, you know, if you're not going to invest in your own, in your own backyard, um, then if, if you're not going to invest there, you may as well invest anywhere in the country. Cause I mean, it really, at, at that point in time, it really doesn't matter. I mean, even if I were investing where I live, I would want a property manager because I don't want to, like you were saying, he was an accidental landlord and didn't like it. Um, I don't want to be a landlord, even if it's my next door neighbor. Um, so, I mean, you just got to find either a place that is already growing. And sometimes there are markets that aren't really growing at the moment, but you can get in them and get ahead of things. So you really got to, you got to start with the market. I mean, in my opinion, you just got to find the place where you want to be, where you think, you know, there's solid numbers now, there's going to be solid numbers um, in finding that. Yeah, now I would even back up to say, let's, let's talk about, you know, building, writing down your investment goals, right? How do you determine if you're going to decide that you want to invest out of state? How did you come to that conclusion? Some of the reasons to invest out of state, in my opinion, are, I mean, let's just go through and, and talk about some of the benefits, right? Why would someone consider investing out of state, Adam? I mean, and who, who needs to determine how they invest out of state? Landlord laws. I mean, that's the biggest thing. I mean, I, I always joke with people, you know, if you live in California or New York or one of those states, you don't own a property. You co-own a property with your tenant. You know, you've got to be able to, you got to be able to get rid of them. I mean, whenever I was talking to some people during COVID, there was a a lady I remember talking with who told me her tenant hadn't paid her rent in 18 months and she couldn't get them out, lived in New York. I mean, this, that'll, that'll ruin you. That'll put you under in a heartbeat. Um, so I think some of the, start there. yeah, I think some of the reasons to, to invest out of state is, Hey, if your local market is too expensive and it takes a significant amount of down payment to buy that property, there are plenty of other markets where you could potentially own you know, multiple properties, uh, instead of saying, putting $100,000 on one house that may or may not be positive cash flow. In, in addition to that, we've learned over time that the most successful investors are diversified across multiple markets, right? I mean, there is, there is something to be said about diversification. However, you also don't want to create the scenario where you're investing, you know, 20 properties across 20 different markets, and you're like herding cats trying to, <laughs> you know, and chasing out of, it's just, there needs to be economies of scale within a market. But I think diversification is key. To your point, landlord-friendly legislation, low taxes, future population, economic growth. This is all things that we look for when we're trying to build a sustainable portfolio over time. Um, just a quick, for anyone that doesn't know who I am, my name is Zach Master. Uh, I know we have a lot of people joining in, so thank you. I'm the owner and founder of Rent to Retirement. We are a turnkey company. 
I have a background in healthcare. Just go through my quick story with everyone. I was an optometrist for many years of my life, captain in the Air Force. Um, and we did, you know, my wife and I spent many years of our life focusing on, on just, you know, the healthcare setting, putting into a 401k, things like this. And we decided early on to invest in real estate. And I'm so happy that we did because we got the bug, right? That first house that we bought was a duplex and we never looked back and continued to invest over time. Um, but one thing I learned is that when we started to invest out of state and not just focus on our local market, that opened up the world of opportunity for us. And that's what allowed us to expedite our goals to where we were able to retire from our career paths as doctors early on in, in life. And that was the foundation of our business is basically having friends and family and colleagues seeing what we are doing, investing in real estate and wanting to do join us and invest alongside of us. Okay. And that's where this turnkey company was built. But I, I want to mention the crux of our investing success was when we successfully learned how to not only be focused on our local market, but invest across the country in, in multiple markets. So let's get back to our story because we're not talking about me. We're talking about John Doe. And he is interested in buying two out-of-state properties for the first time and wondering where to get started. So I think putting down goals and really, you know, that's in as cliche as it sounds, I think that's a starting <laughs> point of just determining, you know, what are your goals? How much money do you have to put down? And then, you know, compare that to your local markets. We don't want to spend too much time on goal setting, but after you determine that you want to invest in a market, that's where we're going with Adam is how do we, how do we determine what is the right market? Adam, across all the markets in the United States, you know, what's, how do we determine which one we want to start with? Yeah. I mean, the, the big thing you want to start with is uh, where do you not want to? Um, you know, you got to find, I mean, you mentioned not investing in your own market because of uh, prices. Well, markets that are the same price as your market, just scratch them off. You know, if you're not going to invest in your price point, then, you know, just go around and say, all right, median household here. Nope. Median house here. Nope, nope, nope. And just go through. I mean, you can start even bigger and say, you know, go on bigger pockets and just go on the Internet and say, what are landlord friendly states? You know, what are landlord unfriendly states? And just start from there and start scratching off, you know, get a map of the United States if you want and just X off state after state until you get to the point where maybe you've got 10 to 15 states and then to start kind of narrowing down on cities in there and see what the profiles are. Like if there's a city where properties are, you know, median value somewhere in the 150 to 250, you know, you can start looking there. Uh, maybe it's worth, you know, getting in and investing in, but if you're suddenly all the price points in these cities that are far off are, you know, $600,000, $700,000 and you're not gonna be in that price point, then why, why even go looking in that market? Absolutely, I agree with you 100%. And the markets that we've been successful with, we mainly focus on the Midwest and the Southeast. And this is because these are areas that have, as we mentioned before, landlord-friendly legislation, low taxes, population, and economic growth, we, that have a diversity of industries. These are areas that aren't just, say, reliant on oil or gas. You want to be in the path of progress, right? But you also want the cash flow numbers to make sense. And that's what it really boils down to, is finding the right balance of property that is, that is going to meet your goals, but it's also going to have positive cash flow and stay rented, right? We want these properties to stay <laughs> rented. So we've been very successful in, in all these markets, just adhering to that foundation. And it doesn't matter what the market cycle is doing at that point in time, right? If your property is cash flowing and you're in an area that you will, it will stay rented and you can continue to keep it rented and rents increase over time, you're going to be successful long-term. Um, let's talk about financing. So. Mr. John Doe, is, he's, he's wrote down his goals. He has two properties that he wants to invest in out of state over this year, and he's identified that he wants them to be positive cash flow, and he has $50,000 to invest. So that probably limits him to areas that have you know, $150,000 to $100,000 houses, 
And that's going to be probably in the Midwest or areas that are, you know, it's, it's not coastal towns. He's not buying a house in LA. Right. So um, <laughs> let's, let's just assume that John is going to proceed with that. How does financing work for someone that's looking to invest out of state and when should someone start considering financing? What do you think, Adam? So, I mean, you got to look at, uh, at your job and what you're doing. Like for example, in John's case, his wife is stay at home, part-time interior designer. So she's probably a 1099 at best. Um, it's going to be way easier to get loans in his name. I mean, you got to remember one of the things I'm sure most of the people here listening, most people go into bigger pockets. No, but let's just start with the basics. The best government, the best financing you're going to get is Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac government backed securities, hands down going to be your best option in terms of rates and terms. You are limited to 10 of those per person. Keyword here is per person. So if you're, if you're married, you have 20 open loan slots. I mean, right now, I, we talked a minute ago, I was saying, you know, about my rental portfolio. If you actually look at me, I own nothing. I don't own this house I'm sitting in. I don't own the investment properties um, that I manage with my wife. Everything is in her name because she's a W-2 employee, and it is so much easier to get loans as a W-2. So you look at it and say, all right, in his case, you know, it's probably going to be Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac in his name because he's got the W-2 job. I mean, that's the, the financing easy points right there is you can either put just his name on it and get 10 and then get, try to get 10 in her name, or you can put both your names on it, end up with 10 and you're stuck. And just, I mean, that's, just to uh, f further what Adam's saying, so he's recommending probably conventional and that's what we see most of our investors do. And, and that's, I mean, we kind of call them these golden tickets, right? These, these Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans, your, your, your 10 conventional loans that you can have in your own name at any given point in time. Um, as we've seen interest rates rise over time, and with a lot of entrepreneurs that are real estate investors, you may not even qualify for those, which that's fine. Every investor at some point in their investing career needs to explore non-qualified uh, or non-QM money or you know things like portfolio loans, asset-based loans, DSERs. Those are loans that are available or that are underwriting the property itself and not so much about your, your finances. But generally yeah. speaking, your, your conventional Fannie Mae Freddie Mac loans are the longest or the best type of loan where you have a fixed rate. And you can also refinance those, right? There's no prepayment penalty. So that is something to look at non-QM money. So our top recommended lender is North American Financial. Uh, we'll put that in the link if we can post that uh, in the comment section. We've prepared, instead of just putting a ton of contact information, we've prepared a link for you with all of the people that we personally use for financing, for insurance, for all these resources, which you know you can go to, uh, of course, rentretirement.com to see as well, or you can visit this link. So I would start with them. They have DSCR products, and they also have conventional mortgages. Yeah, and the DSCR, um, if you're a business owner and you have started – like your business, and let's say you started your business over COVID and you don't have two years of tax returns yet, you know, you might have some lenders tell you, oh, we can't lend to you. Well, that's just not true. You can still get it. You just have to go the DSCR route. And I know some people are also worried right now about, you know, oh, rates have gone up. And, you know, they look at what happened back in like the 08 timeframe. Um, what Zach was saying earlier is so important is that you're getting these properties that are making sense and cash flowing today. What happened in the past that ruined everybody was they were getting properties that didn't cash flow, had, you know, rate, had payments they could afford now, but they were adjustable. And then whenever the adjustable payment went up and it didn't make sense with the fixed rate, whenever it became adjustable, it really put them underwater and it created a lot of problems. If you get a fixed rate loan, whether it's DSCR or, you know, conventional, 
or no matter whatever rate you get, if you get it locked in today and it's cash flowing, you're going to be in a very safe, solid place. Absolutely. And one point on interest rates is, yes, the interest rates are higher, right? I don't think they're going dramatically down anytime soon. So don't let that stop your investing because we were all used to this historically low interest rate <laughs> over the past three or four years. It was it just it was great while it lasted, but also there was so much competition, right? And and now it's more of a level playing field for investors. This is a great time to buy everybody and, and invest and actually take action. So, and if you're underwriting a property at say a six or 7% interest rate, uh, and the likelihood that it's gonna go down in the future is at least a little bit is, is probable, um, then we know that your property will likely continue to cash flow, right? And you're, you're underwriting it, um, you know, well now in addition to likely seeing rents increase over time that's a benefit of owning property so i want to pause a, a second there somebody just threw up in the comments that dscr starts with 30 percent down you're talking with the wrong lender um so i i don't want anybody to get scared looking in the comments and seeing that dscr starts with 30 percent down talk to other lenders because you don't have to put 30 percent down this is the biggest piece of advice i can give to anyone as they continue to grow their portfolio or even start you need to be calling multiple lenders. Now we've provided a, a resource for you with you know, some of the top lenders that we've done some of that research for you, use them or not, but you do need to be call, calling multiple lenders. We buy a lot of commercial retail centers just as our own, and we're not gonna talk about that today, but just as our own personal portfolio. And every single time we make it a point to get a quote from at least 10 to 15 different lenders because there are different loan products. And they're changing all the time, right? Lending is very dynamic. And so I think it's really important to, to compare and contrast. If you're doing, I mean, sometimes local credit unions offer some of the best available products when you're looking at HELOCs, for example, and things like this. So just call around. I mean, do the due diligence, put in the time, start with the lender. So as you're looking out of state, this is one of the first steps you do is actually start to look at different financing. A question we get a lot is, should we use our local bank? Uh, potentially, but potentially not. And more often than not, if you have a bank you're currently using, they may not even be licensed to lend in the state that you're looking to invest in, or they may not have the best options for an out-of-state property. So it's good, in my opinion, to have a lender that's on a national basis that can lend in all these different states, right? And so you can continue to use them for a resource. So again, that link will be in the comments, North American Financials, who we personally use and refer all of our clients to because so far they've done the best and they have both DSER and, and uh, conventional products. So let's say John goes through this and he gets approved with his loan. He has he only has one of these these ten uh, conventional loans in his primary right now, so he has nine available. If his wife was to qualify, to your point, Adam, he could in theory have twenty, uh, right? And he's determined that this is the best loan product for him. A couple other points, just before, we'll get to this later. I know that I see a lot of comments in about investing through a self-directed IRA what kind of debt that uses, taking out a HELOC and using that as a down payment. I mean, those are all great resources for our story for John that he could potentially use. And they all require different loan products. For example, self-directed IRA needs a non-recourse loan. We're going to get to that over time. But if you have questions about that, put it in the thread and we'd be happy to answer it for you. So Adam, let's say with, with John Doe, he's got his goals set. He's got his lending figured out. He's actually got pre-qualified for a lender. This is a question we get a lot is, do you need to actually have a property in place? Should you go and find a property first and then get pre-qualified or do you talk to a lender first? What do you think? Lender first. I mean, hundred percent. I mean, if you, if it turns out that you can't qualify for a loan, you, you're just wasting your time um, looking around if you can't. I mean, let's be honest. If you're going through and getting all these mortgage um, stuff done, you probably will qualify for a loan, but you may as well know before you get started. And also, I mean, 
Yes, there's not as much competition out there today, but if you find the right deal, sometimes there's a lot of competition for the right deal. Have your lending set up first, 100%. This come, this, and you need to have the feedback from the lender as, as well. Can I even afford, like, what is my buying criteria? How quickly can I close? You need to have these things set up first. Have you, talk to your lenders and talk to multiple lenders because to Adam's point, if you've got a good deal and you're going under contract, you don't have time to go and loan shop at that point in time. You should have already done that work, right? And you need to know what your buying criteria is and feel confident in your lender. The, the seller may require you to send in that letter of your lender, like within 24 hours to not lose that deal. Talk to your lender first and know what you're able to qualify for. Another question we get a lot is buying properties, whether it's out of state or in state, your DSCR requirements, right? And we're not gonna spend too much time on financing today, guys, but with your, one, one thing is like, can your, can your rental income offset your DTI, your debt to income ratio, which is usually around 40, 45% with the cash flow? It absolutely can. This is a mo common misconception out there that you need to, a seasoning period for a new rental property for six plus months before you go out and buy another one. Again, you're just talking to the wrong lenders, right? So if you have the down payment, if you have $100,000 of down payment and you want to buy $500,000 properties, you can use the income or even potential income, at least a quality lender can, to offset that so you're not negatively impacting your debt to income. You should never be, if you can qualify for one property, you should be able to qualify for 10 um, based on your, your DTI and if you have the down payment for it. Okay, back to John Doe. He's got qualified for his lending. He's good to go and he's qualified to buy uh, $200,000 worth of rental property because he has, well, I guess it'd be 250 if he has a $50,000 down payment. So that's our purchase price. I'd like to, I'd like to hear from the audience, $200,000 property price point, what are some markets that we think could be attainable for John Doe buying a single family house that's going to have positive cash flow? He wants to be in a better class area. He's not going into any war zones. He's not looking at multifamily. These are not Section 8 D-class properties. Where, what markets do you think would, would have a good option for him? Does anyone put any comments in the, the sections? Mem I see Memphis. I love Memphis. You gotta be careful that you don't end up in war zones in Memphis. It has neighborhood by neighborhood, but it's a great place. Have three there myself. Montgomery, we just put out Ohio, Chicago, Philly, all awesome, Oklahoma, awesome, awesome areas. Um, yeah, this is this is being recorded, by the way, and this will be on the Bigger Pockets Instagram account as well as the Rent Retirement account. Um, I want to throw out. Um, I was told the link, the resource link that uh, Zach mentioned, is actually on the bio of the Rent Retirement um, account Instagram account because it'll stay there <laughs> as opposed to Bigger Pockets. Whenever we stop taking it over, the it won't be there necessarily. So if you want the resource link, head on over to the Rent Retirement um, Instagram count and you'll see it in there in the bio so awesome market it's the only one i would throw out of that i'm seeing in here is dallas fort worth i don't chicago. know <laughs> chicago's up there that's where i started investing out of state and i was in bad areas and uh you know you can acquire two hundred thousand dollar properties but not probably in the areas that you want to be investing in okay so Mr. John Doe has decided that he's going to invest in the Midwest. He hasn't chosen a specific market. We don't want to play favorites here. Although I do think that uh, you know areas around Cleveland and uh, Kansas City, Missouri are some of the best markets around those price points. That's worth we're seeing. We're, we're the most active in both of those markets. So um, Adam, the next thing John is trying to consider is, okay, this is going to be an investment property. Do I need to set up an LLC? 
If so, when do I do that? And what is the best structure? Because he's already talked to 10 different attorneys, which have given him 10, 10 different answers of how to set up the LLC. Maybe even more than 10 answers. Uh, but uh, when it comes to LLCs, you absolutely do not. I mean, if you think about it, the way that it's going to, I mean, eventually you're going to want to, um, but don't let it be a hurdle for what you're doing. I mean, you're going to be getting these loans in your own name and then transferring them into the LLC um, anyway. And so, you know, you're going to have to have them there. And I know people are concerned about due on sale clause. You know, you hear that thrown around a lot that if you transfer the title, you know, you'll, the whole loan will be called due. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac changed their requirements on that. There is no problem doing that. As long as the person whose name it is, is the majority owner, whenever you move it into the LLC, there is absolutely no problem getting it changed over um, in that regard. So you're going to be getting the loan in your own name. So you don't have to have your LLC set up immediately. Eventually, you're going to want to get it set up, but you don't have to. I mean, I've been owning properties for years and I'm just finally finalizing my LLC paperwork now. You don't have to do it. Well, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but disclaimer, we're not accountants or attorneys, right? And so it's, it's going to be an individual decision up to you based on, and again, in our resource link, we have the right CPAs and attorneys that we've decided to work with across all markets to consult with them, right? It's an individual discussion to determine what's right for you. Someone that is self-employed and has, you know, a lot of assets, you know, maybe doesn't want, maybe doesn't need an LLC right out of the gates because they want, they don't want to, you know, they want to separate their personal assets and, you know, vice versa. But generally what Adam's saying is don't let that, don't let that LLC aspect stop you, right? Do all these other things first because there's so many people that jump right to like, oh, I'm going to, they're excited. I want to set up my business and start my business. But the reality is, is like, yes, it feels like you're taking a tangible step. You may not even be setting up the LLC in the right state or the right way to begin with until you consult with some people, right? So if you're buying with Fannie Mae Freddie Mac loans, as Adam mentioned, you got to close in your own name first. Can you transfer those later? Later you can. That's up to you, right? Most people, what I would recommend, because I've changed my philosophy on this over time, is I'm really just trying to focus on building a rental portfolio as a business and, and treating it that way. So I do think, in my opinion, setting up a, an LLC earlier rather than later, some sort of structure is, is better, but this is not something you need to have your LLC set up before you buy your first property, right? Focus on the property first and then consult with the right professionals on how to adequately protect it. What we see mostly, and there's a ton of different ways to do this and a ton of great companies that will, you know, gladly take your money to set up a structure. Uh, you know, it's very individualistic, but generally speaking, what, what I, I'll just talk what I do personally. Okay, if I have a large commercial asset that has a ton of equity, it's its own LLC. There's nothing else touching it, right? Because there's a lot of equity exposure. It's its own business. If I own a handful of rental properties in, say, one of um, these Midwestern states, I'm probably going to have an LLC structure that's overlying it. And I'm going to put the individual properties either under that one LLC or I'm going to do something like um, revocable land trust. So what, and I, again, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but there's usually some sort of separation between those properties, but it's under one LLC because I probably have leverage on that property where I put 20 to 25% down. I don't have a ton of exposure and it's, it's adequate for that area. You can also set up your LLC in one state and register it to do business in multiple states. You don't necessarily need to have a separate LLC in every single state. Again, consult with the right people. So I, yeah, I don't think- I just we... want to throw for one thing in there. Um, and it's what I, when I talked to my asset protection person, what they said is you mentioned the equity thing. It's essentially just know if anything happens and someone gets into the LLC, you could potentially lose all of the equity in there. 
So it's whatever helps you sleep at night. You know, so if that's 50 grand, okay. If that's 500 grand, okay. Just know that whatever you're putting in that LLC is what helps you sleep at night. If you can't sleep at night because there's too much in there, open up another LLC. Yes, it'll have, you know, expenses that go along with it, but sleep is worth it. <laughs> the company that we personally use for LLC structuring is Nevada Corporate Headquarters. Not that you, again, you have to use them, but they've been a great resource for us for information and they're in that link. So I know for a fact they'll go through and give everyone a consultation if, if you want, but look, just do the research. Don't let that prevent you from doing these other things to start investing. Really appreciate the time you spent educating yourself with us today. Don't forget, if you want a copy of the top 20 markets to invest in in 2023, you can email podcasts at rentretirement.com. We'll get that sent out to you as soon as possible. That's podcasts at rentretirement.com. Also, leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to our podcast on. Send it over our way. to Take a screenshot and send it over to podcasts at rentretirement.com. And we will get that gift card sent out to you, as well as enter you in a raffle for a $500 closing cost credit that we will be drawing at the end of June 2023. Really appreciate the time you spent to educate yourself. Talk to you on the next episode.